gonna be honest, I'm not even gonna waste your time with no intro, no platitudes, because this movie that we're gonna talk about today was so fucking batshit crazy, I just wanna get into it. So, back to the lecture at hand, the movie we're talking about, as the title would suggest, is The Retaliators, the 2021, I'm sorry, 2022 film by directors Samuel Gonzalez Jr. and Bridget Smith with a screenplay by brothers Darren Greer and Jeff Allen Greer starring Michael Lombardi, Mark Mankaka, Joseph Gatt, Katie Kelly, Jacoby Shaddix, Zoltan Bathory, and Ivan Moody. <sighs> that deep breath was sincere because this movie is fucking wild. Now, right off the bat, um, well, I'm going to preface this by saying anything I do say about this movie, I... Uh, in doing research, I found out that it was inspired by true events that happened with the writer's sister with a case of actual abuse. And so that kind of inspired them to write this film. So anything I do say about this film that I kind of enjoyed, I, 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 I don't believe it was a good film, but I enjoyed it. So anything I say is strictly about the film. I don't want to get muddled with the true events and say anything stupid. But uh, I don't want to shit on this film because I uh, I can agree that it's not a well-made film, but I can agree it has merit and and I and I enjoy it. Now back when I thought I knew everything about movies, I would just watch something like this and pick it apart. But I have been humbled. When doing or just watching a plethora of movies and doing research for movies and what I thought I knew, I, I didn't know shit. So <laughs> if you wanted some humility, the, the, yes, I've, I had my taste of it. So now I just gained a new appreciation for films and shit. Or not a new appreciation, it's appreciation I already had. But now I can see the merit in films like this that aren't necessarily well crafted, well acted, or well made. But I do believe there's a modicum of some sort of... I wouldn't venture to say a message, but it does have has has themes it plays with. Um, and, you know, that's that's just it warrants discussion because whatever you can say, this movie isn't boring or anything. It's this batshit crazy. Um, I can see you not liking it, but I don't see you forgetting it. Uh, it's very visceral just to get into some some of the things. And these are more observations than critiques. It's very visceral. It's intense. Um. I've been disrespecting my gorehounds on this podcast. I don't really talk a lot, which, you know, I guess is being um auditory, uh, uh, audio medium and kind of defeats the purpose. Uh, I, I, I swear I'm working on my YouTube videos. I just got to get my, uh, my my set set up. But anyway, so it, it's a low budget movie, but it does benefit from some pretty good practical effects. But I'm not going to do that right now. So let's just talk about. A little bit of movie. It, now it is a better noise film, and that's a subsidiary of better noise music. Now I'm old enough to remember. I don't know if y'all was around in the early aughts, but when we had all these record label movies, a la Baller Blocking with Cash Money, Hot Boys with No Limit, State Property with Rockefeller Records. You had these movies. Uh, with these record labels and pretty much everybody that had anything to do with the record label, the producers, the musicians, the artists were in the film in some capacity. And that's pretty much what this film is. It's um, all these metalheads got together, uh, made a film. It's a definitely it's the definition of a, pro- a passion, passion project. So I can't fault it for that. 
But as the film was presented, you know, you, you gave it to me. So I'm just going to critique it how I see it. And these are just opinions, not facts. I, I, I appreciate the movie for existing as I do all things, as I do all films, whether I like them or not. I appreciate them for existing. Now, I mentioned the musicians. Now, this is like a who's who of metalheads. The ones I did recognize were Tommy Lee, uh, of course, from Molly Crew. I recognize uh, Jacoby Shaddox. Zoltan Bathory. There's a few others that uh, I knew by the way they were shot. I was supposed to recognize who they were because the camera would linger. Oh, I'm getting that when I get into the to the movie. But so I can see a younger crowd, and I don't mean younger like juvenile, because the plot is the connective tissue of this movie is everywhere. So I don't really see people watching this to be engaged with the plot, but maybe just wanting to see the blood, the gore. And so if you have to uh, lumber through exposition just to get to that so that's how i can see the appealing to a certain audience and not to say anyone can appre- can't appreciate it but this this film definitely is going to have its audience uh, i i can see cult classic written all over it and judging by the reviews it, it won some awards and shit so people do like it and just as many people don't i don't want to say i'm in the middle um I can recognize all the flaws and shit in this movie and still walk away thinking it was cool. Now, it is a definitely throwback to an homage to 80s movies a la Die Hard, Evil Dead, insert whatever revenge thriller you want to think of. Um, so it appealed to me. It had me a hello right there. They even referenced Die Hard a few times and it's kind of told. Um, it borrows elements from a lot of those movies, and I get into it when I get into it. But the character is basically a fucking um, Ash Campbell. I'm sorry, Ash Campbell. Uh, Bruce Campbell, Ash's fucking doppelganger. He, uh, they set him up in the movie. He looks just like him with the blood on his face and his hair, even his little Garrett montage. But I get ahead of myself. Um, but to the film's credit, before I'm just going to talk about what I like, then I'm going to talk about the plot, and then. then, then them get y'all home in an orderly fashion or in a timely fashion i'm sorry amen amen that's gonna make sense the church thing gonna make sense i'm not being weird but anyway to the film's credit it's kind of like a graphic novel the way it's shot and it's with a lot of monologues like some pseudo philosophical shit like i said i do think the the movie had a some uh, monicum of a message or or themes dealing with duality good versus evil uh one of the, I don't want to say taglines, but one of the opening scene or uh, sentences is like, when does, a, when does a good man's sins turn him evil? So it does a lot of wrath and, and vengeance. It wants to tell a really um, salient story, but I think it gets a little, it's it's a little jarring. You know, it's just tonally, tonally. And I, I don't know if that's a byproduct of having multiple directors, but tonally the, the shifts and this movie would have benefited from one director because all the horror scenes are shot well, but then we have like this pure flicks, uh, faith-based movie in the middle of this gory-ass, raunchy-ass, metalhead horror movie, uh, but it's not played with any kind of tact or... It's an exploitation movie, but it wants to be real serious. So it, I think if it had leaned more into the absurdity, you could have enjoyed it more. Uh, even something... Simple as changing some of the music, not the music soundtrack, but uh, the music score to be more jaunty and lighthearted. Uh, and not light, lighthearted like Pensacato strings, but just kind of 
I think I would have benefited from that as far as the tone is concerned. Um, what else did I did I like? Besides it being a, pro, 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 a passion project and motherfuckers just going for broke, uh, I did like that it just seemed like friends got together and, and, and made a movie. Like I said, it reminds me of those odds, uh, movies. So I guess from now I just get into the plot and then, yeah, then... Um, I'll let y'all go. <laughs> but anyway, the story. So the story starts off. It's these women in a van that traverse through this wooded area. You know, the standard horror movie fair. Uh, they catch a flat. And when one of the uh, women, one occupants of this van, this minivan, is changing the flat, we don't see what or who, but she's abducted, killed off screen. The, the occupant left in the van, in the van, she sees some lumbering figure. She really don't know what it is. Out of nowhere, um, to her dis- dismay or disbelief, the figure just capitated. We don't see by whom. But then John Bishop, this is a Michael Lombardi's character, he shows up and tells her we have to go. He suddenly, and this is how I'm telling exactly how it happens. So the opening of this film is probably the best part. Take that as you will. But he opens the van door, I believe, is shown in the trailers. He tells her we have to go. He's abducted. We don't see what gets him. Um, we And we don't know what's going on as the audience. But the the zombies that we... They're, they're shown as zombies, but they're not zombies. But I'm just going to call them zombies right now. So let's reveal what they are. Uh, they attack the woman. We see her get ripped up. Then it cuts to a few... Sometime earlier, it doesn't really specify, but now we see Sarah, played by Katie Kelly, I believe her name is. Yes, Katie Kelly. That's this is John's daughter. So we she's in a grief meeting, some grief counseling. It's people in there sharing memories and reading from journals. This part of the movie's pretty cool. It has a lot of uh, dark poetry. When I say poetry, I mean of the Edgar Allen variety, shrill macabre and shit. But you know. That's right on my alley. Uh, let's, yeah, keep it goth. But anyway, it's revealed here that John's wife and her mother has passed. So it's just John and his two daughters. And it's Christmas time. So he picks her up from the grief counseling session. And they go get a Christmas tree. Now here we have what I may describe as an inciting incident. Um, it does have plot relevance. But anyway... When buying a Christmas tree, they're pretty much bullied. Some dude just basically takes some tree, takes their tree. John doesn't retaliate. He's a pastor, and it's revealed he's a pastor. He's a pacifist. He tells the man Merry Christmas, allows him to go. He he obviously feels some sort some sort of trepidation about it. But later on at the house, his daughters give him shit about it. Uh, tell him. Oh, you watch Die Hard every day. You do all these push-ups. You want a motorcycle, but you couldn't defend us. So it's kind of you know clunky expedition, but it's whatever. This is this is foreshadow- foreshadowing um, at its best, and I know I'm using that right because that's what it is. Uh, but anyway, I don't know if he feels guilty, but to make up for it, Sarah wants to go to this party. But it's shown that John doesn't let it go anywhere. He's real strict. But I think he wants to make up for the Christmas tree incident. So he allows her to go. But they got to go to church for it first. He has a sermon tonight. So right now, for brevity's sake, I'm just going to tell you. I'm just going to kind of tell you how the movie goes. Because the way it's presented is just really disjointed in a way. 
uh, the editing and the the pacing. This movie's pacing is off. It goes from scene to scene to scene to scene. Now I don't know if that's because the directors have a background in music videos, because this movie is based like just a long ass music music video. So none of the scenes really have time to breathe as I think they should. So when they transition, it's a little off. Like I said, it's it's, it's a tad bit jarring. I don't. That's the plan to the hyper realism because there's no way this is supposed to take place in any type of real world. Um, oh yeah, it's a movie, but you know, realism's out the window. Which I'm not mad at it for that. But once you realize that, you can enjoy the film better. So I'm saying that to say, for brevity's sake, I'm just going to tell the, the the story how I remember it, not how the movie showed it. But again, I don't, I'm going to support the shit out of this, but it's streaming, so I, I feel less trepidation, trepidation about uh, spoiling it. Go watch it. It's on Amazon Prime. Shudder. I got the Shudder. I watched it on Shudder and Amazon Prime, too. But anyway, so there's a secondary plot with this biker gang. Now, this kind of doesn't really hold ba- too much bearing on the overall plot of the story, but the movie dedicates so much time to this biker gang and this subplot and it never really play, pays off. However, all the members of these biker gangs are all the musicians. So uh, it could feel bloated in that sense. But this one, I say this is just a pa- passion project. You need it. A, and every single cameo gets like a, not a scene, but they all get their moment to be like, you recognize this guy? You recognize this guy? You recognize this guy? And it's kind of drawn out to where it fucks up the pacing. Like the pacing is breakneck. But you don't really give it time to breathe. So I'm saying that to say the subplot with the biker gang, they there's this rival gang and they're trying to broker broker some kind of truce. So they make they decide to go into business selling meth. So at the meetup, the exchange, uh, our lead antagonist Ram loses his cool, beats the shit out of the plug, uh, uh, fucks him up, breaks his leg, breaks his leg again. He's already has a breaking broken leg. Uh, he shows up in a wheelchair, which in itself isn't, you know, jarring. But I was confused why he, why he wanted to do a drug deal in a wheelchair. I I don't know, but I think that was just a a, a plot mechanic, like the Pope in the pool thing, because they he talks about his leg. Oh yeah, I broke it. Da 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 da. But as he's doing that, he's pretty much telling us the whole subplot about the biker gang. That's how you find out. So he's like, yeah, I'm glad we got together to do this. I know we've been beefing for so long. So it's kind of like that Pope in the Pool thing where uh, uh, the character will be focusing on something or doing something uh, that would warrant explanation. But you're so you're so worried about that, that you don't really focus on the fact that they're just giving us exposition. If you ever watch a movie and they're in a, a mortuary, and then the coroner is like eating a sandwich around all the dead bodies, but they don't really mention it why he's eating a sandwich. But in this scene, he pretty much tells you the whole plot. Oh, this character died of this and this, and it's hella plot relevant. But we don't pay attention to that because we're like, why is this motherfucker eating this sandwich? So anyway, it's one of those things. I know that was a tangent, but it's, it's this shit I noticed. I'm sorry. Bear with me. But uh, anyway, we go from there. Um... And the reason why I mention that, because he stuffs the body in the trunk, whom I believe he assumed was dead. He goes to the gas station. Now, Sarah has already left church. She was allowed to go to this party she wanted to go to after the sermon. 
So she ends up meeting Ram at the same gas station. Now, in the trunk, the body in the trunk is not dead, so he's trying to get out, make a noise. Sarah hears it at the pump. Ram notices her, noticing the, the noise. So she skirts off. She gets the fuck out of Dodge, but Ram easily catches up to her. He's in a muscle car that actually has plot relevance. He rams her off the road. She survives. She calls her dad, but Ram approaches the truck's uh, car, sees she's alive, literally zip ties her to the steering wheel, and where she went off the road, it's like a ravine, so he pushes her to the lake. She drowns. So we... John gets there and just assumes it's a drowning uh, road rage incident. She got ran off the road, so he's uh, distraught. Um, we fast forward to the wake, and now it's revealed. Now we have our tertiary tertiary character and his subplot. And I'm just going to, for brevity's sake, I'm just going to tell you his subplot now, because when the movie tells it, it's like a flashback within a flashback, and he and another person that's telling the story. It's just real jumbled. So I'm just going to tell it uh, forward. But anyway, so Detective Jed shows up to reveal to John that she was zip tied to the steering wheel, that it wasn't a road rage accident. Um, Somber moment. And this is Jed played by, uh, what was his name? Mark. Mark Minkaka. And he and he does the best acting. He's the best actor in this whole whole film it could it should have just been centered around his character but anyway it's revealed that he was a when he was a new detective his first case was tracking down this serial killer uh, and this serial killer was played by good not good charlotte papa roach's jacoby shaddix but it's revealed that he found the serial killer uh they, he was apprehended and arrested but when he was arrested he when he was arrested he took a life as he was arrested. He shot this woman as they arrested him. So he went to jail and he murdered this woman in front of all these police officers. But it's shown that he got released out of jail early. So this is what confused me. I was like, this movie does not take place in any type of real world. Now, again, I love some hyper-realism, but I didn't know what to expect. So when he was released, which again, I don't get, it's shown that the first thing he did was go after... Detective Jed's family. Now he's married and his wife is expecting. So the serial killer goes and pretty much kills his wife and his unborn child. So Jed feels what John is going through. Now it's not revealed at this point, but I'm just going to tell you now to, to just tell the story. It's revealed that Jed had tracked down um, Jacoby Shaddix's character, pretty much locked him in his bunker and tortured him and pretty much... Uh, broke him down and regressed him back to his animal form. And he's been doing this for about a decade. And he has about, well, he has 21 people in this bunker that are uh, child molesters, rapists, serial killers. When the law, like the one of the taglines, when man laws prevails, I mean, when man law fails, uh, God law prevails. So these, he pretty much feels these people have skirted justice so he took it upon himself so i said the movie definitely delves in things and shit of that nature i just don't think it's executed right but that's just me if you feel different we can have different opinions and views but so now let's go back to telling the movie proper so it's revealed to jay i'm jay reveals to john at a later date look i found the guy 
Um, I can give you two minutes with him, like they say in the trailer. Uh, you have two minutes with him. You just can't kill him, but you can exact your revenge on him. But he tells him, you know, you can't turn back. If you come with me, man, you, you go all the way. He says only complicit man takes secrets to the get grave. So I'm be fucking around. John agrees, but when he gets down to it, he can't. He can't do it. He has to change your heart. So then, Jed's like, "Well, well, fuck it. I gotta fuck you up now too." So he pretty much takes him hostage. He doesn't really torture him, but now it's explained. At this point, it's explained that he's been keeping these people down here. Da 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 da. da. Now Ram is part of this biker gang, and the drugs he stole had a tracker in it. So the subplot from them, they've been looking for Ram for this whole movie. But the, the, these scenes just really have nothing to do with the movie. Like, it's just the cameo part. So it's just these bikers going from scene to scene looking for Ram. Now, the scenes are cool, I guess, but it, they, they're just showcasing the musicians. And, and the music, is uh, the soundtrack plays a heavy role in this music, which I would imagine it would. So it's, it's pretty much like a music video for a lot of, for a lot of the times. But anyway, the biker gang tracks down the tracker to where Ram is. So they find this bunker, and the only purpose they serve is to release all these uh, people that Jed had locked up. And these are the quote-unquote zombies. Now, he, keep these pe- he keeps them locked up, uh, tortures them, and he says, like, they're animals now. They acted like animals, so I-, I made them pretty much. He treats them as animals. Uh, they don't speak. You well, you can imagine they, they're locked up in the in the dark. Uh, they're not taken care of, so they just pretty much act like savage animals. That's why we thought they were zombies in the beginning. So when they show up to the bunker, bunker, I'm sorry, uh, they release them all and they uh, run a rampage on this compound. Like I said, this movie just goes from scene to scene, and the connective tissue is so off, but it's so batshit crazy. I found myself enjoying it. So when they're released. Uh, John is released in the Fufara, so he goes into the cabin, and now we have our Evil Dead homage. He gears up. He's grabbing chainsaws, uh, knives, shotguns. It looks just like Ash Williams' hair and everything. Um, he finds a motorcycle, of course, because Darden mentions that he always wanted a motorcycle. He smashes out. He gets away. The people are chasing him. Now, all this part, I think this is what you come to the movie for. I have no qualms about any any of this. I just wish how we arrived here was better executed. But what you will like about the film will be at this point. Now, all this is shot well. But anyway, from there, it this, this scene leads us back to the beginning. This is where John is on his motorcycle through the woods. He crashes. Now, when he finds... Here's where he finds the van, and he now we're back to the beginning. So when he sees the van, he goes help the lady, but then he's abducted again, and then it shows what happens after that. After that, he kills all his pursuers, but it's shown that Ram, who was locked up in his bunker as well, has survived it all. So him and John meet up at this old couple's house, and the only reason I say that is because uh, Ram pretty much beat their asses. They can't really defend themselves. And so John finally fights back, and they have this long, drawn-out fight scene. Real hyper-masculine, you know what I'm saying, all that good shit. Um, of course, John is victorious. He gives his one-liners. Um, and then the movie just cuts back to him at a grief counseling session. Uh, yeah, so it's kind of like, what? This shit can't be real. What the fuck? So I don't. I don't know. Like, that's why I'm like, this movie is fucking 
What? But anyway, that's just that's just pet peeves right now. So from there we seen that John has dealt with his grief, the passing of his daughter. Now it's shown his his uh remaining daughters playing softball softball sort of at the batting cages. Similar to what happened with the Christmas tree happens at the batting cages. Some dude comes like my son has summer league, you know, go run away little girl. Basically tells her that and John's like, My daughter was in the cage. He's trying to hold his cool. But now now John's a badass now, so it shows him he knocked he knocks the dude out, the movie ends. And that's the retaliators. And I actually don't know who the fuck the retaliators, the titular retaliators were. I don't know who the movie's referring to. But again, that's more nitpicking. Now, as I said before, ah, yeah, the movie just jumbled. You know what I'm saying? When I was watching it, it started off good, but then I knew it was already low budget. That really didn't bother me. I enjoy low budget films, but then the pacing of it really threw me off. Uh, the acting is hit and miss, and I and and it's a it's a it's a exploitation film, but it takes itself way too seriously, and I think that's where it suffers. Uh, the subject matter is gripping, and it could be enthralling. Inside is a modicum of a good story. Again, I, I just believe it's all in execution. Not to say I don't believe there there wasn't talent behind this film. Um, I hate to sound like a broken record, but I'm not shitting on this film. Uh, I do believe it had merit. Uh, I do believe it can be enjoyed, and it's not so bad as good type of thing. Or we're not fully into the room territory, but it definitely does dance on those lines it's on the periphery of so bad is good but it's just enough competence for it not to be so bad is good but it's not executed for just to be uh well made or intentional in its absurdity because again i believe it just takes itself way too seriously to where it can be it can get uncomfortable at times with what's presented on the screen in the way it's presented Sometimes you want to laugh, but you're not supposed to. I found myself laughing at parts that I don't think were supposed to be funny. But I, I was enjoying myself. That's why I can't really say this was a quote-unquote bad film. Because I did enjoy myself. Now, a film can be whatever, but as long as I'm not bored, I'm okay. So, I, I pretty much said what I did like. Um, I gave you a little bit of what I didn't like. I know this movie got a lot of good reviews and won awards. I definitely see it having this audience. But and I and I will suggest watching it. But if you go into oh, with 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 that mind, knowing what you're getting into, uh, and and if that's in your milieu of shit you like, you will enjoy it. You will enjoy it. But if you're looking, because I, I heard something say this is the uh, thinking man's hostile. Now I don't think that, and I wasn't a particular particularly a fan of uh, Hostel, but Hostel was way better crafted than this. This isn't the thinking man's Hostel, but it's, it's, it's a service, serviceable film. So anyway, at the risk of sounding redundant, I'm just going to leave it there. Uh, thank you for listening. If you have any, if you like the film, get at me when I post this. Hit me up on the Instagram, Holiday the 13th. Uh, thank you for listening. I'm still working on Angry Black Girl and the Monster. I found it streaming. But I had to talk about this one, man. Um, again, I'm glad I watched it. I'm definitely glad I streamed it. It's streaming now. Go watch it. 
And that's pretty much all I got. So <laughs> I'm a, the congregation can leave. Let the church say amen. But no, on a serious note, thank you guys for listening. This has been your boy, John Holiday. Uh, as always, speak truth, be good, make beautiful decisions. And I'm out this motherfucker. Peace out.